Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from The Cosmos, The Symbol Situation, written by John Steinerman. Exploring the Dark Side of the Cosmos You will be thrust into the middle of the cosmos right from the start in this tale that is futuristic, but not necessarily true science fiction. It could be now. What dangers lurk in the cosmos? What dangers are from Earth? How mysterious is that unknown dark abyss of space? Look up. See yourself. Visualize your future. It could be sooner than you think. This story relates to you, your future. Feel yourself inside the character's magnetic space boots and experience the cosmos. But be careful of the symbol situation. This captain and gentleman is the nebula commonly referred to as the Medusa of the universe. It has fingers and snake-looking things at the very top of it. Those squiggly things you can plainly see are known as vampire stones. They group up. They swoop. They change directions on a whim. They are like locusts. They eat anything that gets in their way. They may include us in their diet. And now for your listening pleasure. An excerpt from the Cosmos. Chapter 2 Ellen heard the airlock clang shut behind her. She grabbed the handhold bar to stop her from falling into the cavity of the escape pod. Only a few seconds had expired when she heard that airlock seals engaging completely. She had made it to safety. The emergency lights came on, and the life support system quietly purred to life. The computer-generated voice said, Welcome to pod number three. All systems are operating correctly. Ellen wondered whom that voice belonged to. It was a male voice, calm, staccato, yet not overbearing. She actually didn't know how long she could stand listening to it. She shook off those feelings quickly. She squirmed into the console stool and brought the console to life. This was an emergency. Those alarms in this environment of space meant business. We didn't have any drills up here. Her console monitor showed something happening in the aft area of the mothership. The monitor flashed out the words of another warning, too. Warning. Complete spacesuits required immediately. Warning. Complete spacesuits required immediately. Warning. Complete spacesuits required immediately. Ellen turned a few degrees to her right and saw the lockers where the suits and helmets were stored. There were six lockers. Six? There was hardly room for three people in here, let alone six. Ellen grabbed the handhold bar and quickly counted three steps over to the lockers. She had to ask the computer to unlock locker door number one. This was stupid, she said out loud. Why are the lockers locked anyway? This is an emergency situation. If we had to get to those spacesuits in a hurry like this, well, never mind. It was just an example of those things that those jerk designers did because they didn't have the slightest idea what the real people have to do up here. Besides, it was probably the lowest bidder. Ellen somehow managed to get into the spacesuit. You would have thought that somewhere on the outside of these lockers there would be a tag listing whether it was a man's or a woman's, and what size it is, she mumbled. I'll have to remember to notify the space technologies department. 
The life support system of the suit would not energize until she sealed her helmet. The bulkiness of the suit was unreal. She could hardly maneuver enough to get back to the console. She found the right keys on the console to override the locker door locks and activated it so the lockers would remain unlocked. She didn't have the slightest idea how long she would be in here. She knew that each spacesuit's support systems were good for up to five days, or maybe longer. This escape pod could go 30 days on its own system. Ellen felt the pod shudder a bit. She knew what it was, but hoped it wasn't true. If the pod separates from the mothership, she would be floating in the vacuum of space. That shudder meant that the first stage separation had begun. She didn't hear that automated male voice say anything. So far, so good. She looked back at those lockers. There were six lockers. There was only one of her. The airlock had been sealed. No one in or out now. She was alone. She would remain alone. She could survive at least 30 or more days. There were rations, too. Hanging on the side near the end of the lockers was a net suspended by two hooks. This was the sleeping area. The net kept the occupant from crashing into anything while they slept. After all, if it weren't for her magnetic boots, she would be floating all over this pod now, albeit a very small area. Ellen weighed the odds in her mind as her fingers flew over the console seeking any answers of what had happened. It had been a long time since her space survival training. She had, luckily, remembered what to do. Those remaining extra spacesuits meant more survival time for her, and only her, assuming the pod held together. That was another problem, but she wasn't ready to deal with it right now. Ellen activated the outside video cameras. Only one of them was working, it showed her the open vacuum of space. It showed her where she was headed, not where she had been. At least nothing was floating by, she thought to herself. The automated voice came back on. Commander, your pulse and blood pressure are both too high. Just what I needed, she said out loud. Someone to tell me what I already knew. Commander, the intercom network is now operating. Wow, she thought, that's some good news. Big Brother and Big Sister were somewhere around. They always were. This was a close family, and everyone looked out for each other. Even the computer systems belonged to the family, it seemed. Ellen energized the microphone in her helmet. Jim! Jim! This is Ellen! I made it to Escape Pod 3. Can you hear me? Can anyone hear me? Over. Ellen heard the response click and breathed a sigh of relief. Ellen! Ellen! This is Jim! Can you hear me? Over. The intercom systems were crackling and becoming very garbled. She didn't think that it was going to last much longer. Ellen needed to know what had happened to the mothership as fast as possible. Jim, what happened and where is everybody else? Where are you, Jim? Over. Ellen, I heard something about a ruptured cooling hose and the aft plasma generator about the same time the door sealed up. I'm in escape pod six. My console is not working properly. The lockers won't open. I can't get at the spacesuits. The pod's life support system gauges read five. They should be at ten. Jim faded away. Ellen called Jim several more times, but there was no response. 
Ellen searched the meager stores for something to drink. She wanted, and needed, something a bit stronger than the filtered six times water. She found what she was looking for under the console with her gloved hand. It was a stainless steel flask taped to the underside of her console. She ripped it off the desk in one solid motion and looked at the lid through her helmet face. She set it down and checked her console for the various information about removing her helmet in this environment. When she saw the blue light pop on, off came her helmet, and she welcomed a big swallow from that flask. One quick gulp, and she immediately felt better. Her throat burned a bit, but she didn't have to talk or breathe on anyone anyhow. She slipped the helmet back on just as that calm, automated voice told her something. Commander, stand by. Escape pod number three is deploying. What? Ellen almost had a heart attack. Deploying? Why? Ellen didn't understand. The console and all the systems involved didn't indicate any serious problems necessitating deployment of a pod. You can't be serious. This can't be happening. No way. Ellen remembered what happens when an escape pod has to deploy. First, anyone inside of it must be in complete spacesuit attire, including gloves and helmets. The control console would have several flashing areas in plain view. All of the life support systems must have been activated when the helmets are secure. All occupants must be securely tethered to certain bars and rods. The rods, or handholds, were painted a bright reflective red color. The emergency beacons would be activated as well as the outside flashing locator beacon lights. All communication and intercom systems must be checked and confirmed before the retro rockets could push the escape pod many nautical miles away from the mothership. This is for explosion protection. All these things were redundant and built into the computer. If any occupant misses just one step, the pod will not release. Each step was very important. Ellen's fingers flew over the console tabs and keys. The returning information indicated that the cooling coil rupture had been repaired, but not fully tested or operational yet. The mothership central computer was running the internal diagnostics. Some other minor difficulties were being repaired also. Ellen didn't see any red flags pop up on her monitor. There was a little square popping into view in one corner that she didn't like, though. It was flashing a bright orange color. That meant that it must be dealt with as soon as possible. She didn't know exactly how to deal with it. It was telling her that one of the batteries was depleting faster than it should be. What battery? And where is it? She said out loud. Computer, which battery is low and where is it located? That calm male voice answered. Commander, there is a battery located in service bay compartment number 12. It is located under floor panel number 6. It cannot be replaced. I will check the electrical cup. The voice stopped in mid-sentence. Now what? Ellen was stunned. Now I've lost the computer voice, too? She saw a flash through the little window above the control console. It was an escape pod. She couldn't see the number. Its small retro rocket was firing to maneuver it away from the mothership. In just a few more seconds, it will send out a large blast and move the pod away many nautical miles. Ellen didn't have time to focus on that pod. A new, different voice than before spoke up from somewhere. 
It was another male, but a different voice than the other. Commander, this is Gabriel. I am one of the backup computer-generated voices. Please be aware that this escape pod number three will begin deployment in five minutes exactly. Thank you. Ellen quit using her fingers on the keys in mid-stride. Five minutes? No, this can't be happening. What is going on? She moved her eyes to the ceiling in horror. Computer, double-check all deployment protocol for escape pod number three, please. She asked Gabriel as she tried to remain calm. She made sure that her helmet and gloves were within her reach. Five minutes is a long time. If you are waiting for someone or a train to arrive... When you are preparing for what may be your doom, it seems like seconds, she whispered to herself. She recorded things into a log. She locked down anything that might float around inside this tiny place. She located two tiny flashlights. She checked the operation of the lights on the top sides of her helmet. She did anything to keep her mind off of the clock. She was sure that the new voice, Gabriel, would count down for her anyway. Perhaps Gabriel could be her savior? Commander, two minutes, two separation. Prepare tethers and spacesuit. Gloves, helmet, at the one-minute mark. Several clicking noises. These are release mechanisms one through six. At 30-second mark, hissing sound. Retro rocket activation, shutter. Escape pod number three released. An eight point Five seconds. Second bank retro rockets. Thrust firing. Exactly 3.5 seconds. Escape pod number three achieves maximum distance 14.7 nautical miles from mothership. Required for survival. Thank you. That is the way it is supposed to be, Ellen said out loud. She knew the scenario. She thought of a little prayer to herself and recited it to herself just as Gabriel piped up again. Commander, separation aborted. Repeat, separation aborted. Beginning reconnection protocol. Thank you. Ellen could hardly believe her ears. She had never heard of an escape pod being this close to deployment having an aborted launch. Not that she was complaining, of course, but... She took several deep breaths removing her helmet and gloves, and hit those control console keys like lightning. She wiped away the tears of joy and hit the microphone button for the intercom. Commander Norcom here. Does anyone copy? Over. Ellen, Ellen, is that you? Get out of that pod and join us in the bridge. See you soon. Out. Ellen didn't realize that her mouth was wide open until Gabriel spoke again. Commander, your pulse and blood pressure rates are much too high. Commander, Gabriel has checked life support systems. All systems are go. Mothership dying quickly. False readings everywhere. Most oxygen proton engagers malfunctioning. Bridge command center inaccessible. Advise you remain in escape pod number three until further notice. Thank you. Ellen thought that this all had to be a dream. First, I was ordered into this escape pod, and then the alarm sounded. Did I climb it? Jump? Fall? Leap into this escape pod? 
The airlock slammed shut and sealed. I am alone. I have a life support system built into the pod and plenty of stores. I have the advantage of five additional spacesuits and their built-in life support systems. I could possibly survive floating in the abyss of space for 40 or so days. I have no communications to the mothership. My first venture for deployment in this escape pod was aborted at the very last second or two. Then I had a telecom from the bridge saying all was fine. By the time that I had stored my spacesuit and shut down the console, that second automated computer-generated backup mail voice named Gabriel told me that everything was false. The mothership was dying, and I had better remain in the escape pod until further notice. I think that sums it all up. I am now back into my spacesuit, thinking this will be much safer than sorry. She finished entering all of this information into the log and took a large swallow from that stainless steel flask that she had found under her desk. She sat in the quietness, only hearing the clicks and hisses of normal operations, waiting for that unseen, mysterious voice to tell her that her blood pressure and heart rate were both too high. I wonder why that might be, she thought, chuckling to herself. Commander, begin preparations for separation. Countdown from ten minutes has begun. Thank you. The psychological aspect itself was frightening. Ellen didn't fear what was about to happen. She was ready for it the first time. It was all of the stuff that was in between that scared her. How did those voices from the mothership's bridge get from there to her if these were somehow false or fake? Ellen really hated it when she had to rely on an invisible thing or voice to tell her what to do. She was, is, a commissioned officer employed by the Naval Division of the Space Program. She is a commander with many years of experience. Maybe too many? She is an engineer and a graduate of the astronaut program. She knows what to do. It is only that metaphysical, that great divide between what is real and what isn't, what you know about and what lies hidden, that bothers her. Ellen shook herself back to reality as Gabriel once again came back to life. Commander, T-minus, two minutes and counting. Thank you. Maybe it was that voice. It was all business. No emotion and certainly no feelings for the person receiving the message. Yes, it was mechanical and that's it. That is the way it worked. It wasn't space physics. Ellen threw those thoughts away quickly and shook herself back to reality. Commander, T-minus, one minute, and counting. Gloves, helmet, tethers required. Check life support. Check communications network. Initializing. Release. Mechanisms. Thank you. She was ready. She secured her helmet and slid on the bulky gloves. The life support system purred in her ear. She took one last look around to make sure that all was secured. The stainless steel flask was next to her tiny flashlights, and both within her reach. She wondered which one she would need first as the escape pod shuddered one last time, gracefully falling into the empty, quiet abyss of space. Only a few seconds had elapsed, and the small retro rockets fired to move her away from the mothership. Another minute of smooth gliding, and the other rockets fired, thrusting Ellen to the back of her seat. It was a short burst of only a few seconds or so, 
but the escape pod traveled nearly 15 nautical miles. Ellen sat at the control console and directed the escape pod portside to view the mothership out of her little window above the console. It was bigger than she had remembered. She was over 15 miles away, and that orbiting mothership still appeared daunting. Helen felt very small, like a mere grain of salt, floating and drifting aimlessly. Gabriel broke the weird silence. Commander, all systems operating as per protocol. Please notice left stern area of mothership. Adjusting oxygen levels. Your blood pressure and pulse within proper limits. Thank you. She found it hard to concentrate on Gabriel's wording and voice. It was just too stark. She almost missed the part about viewing the stern area. Ellen used the telephoto setting on the video cam and zeroed in on the stern of the mothership. It was spewing what looked like smoke. There were no lights working on that section either. She did spot four or five small objects floating outside of the mothership near that smoke. A closer look revealed heavily equipped astronauts. She changed the magnification factor to eight and found that the astronauts were tethered together. Three of them were being towed back to a side airlock. They didn't make it. A small explosion blew out a portion of a sidewall and the astronauts disappeared. Lights began flashing. Small, round spheres, maybe ten of them, were beginning to encircle the area. Ellen knew that these were robotic examiners and were being controlled from inside the mothership. She became glued to her telephoto cameras. Terrible things were happening all over that mothership now. She saw some escape pods drop down from the sides of the big ship. Only a few of them had activated their retro rockets to maintain the proper distance from the mothership. Were they occupied? Could she contact them? Those escape pods needed to fire those retro rockets very soon. They were much too close to the mothership. She counted only six. Maybe Gabriel will know. Gabriel, how many escape pods are on the mothership and where are they located? Asked Ellen as calmly as she could. Commander, there are six escape pods for each deck. There are six escape pods for each occupied main structure on the inner boundaries. There are a total of 52 escape pods. Thank you. 52? I didn't have any idea that there were so many. I suppose it makes sense. Each pod can hold a maximum of six, assuming they could reach the properly designated one in time. The more that Ellen thought about it the more assumptions she had to make. The mothership had a manifest of 200, and just like the ships that sailed the oceans, they probably had enough life rafts so all could abandon ship if need be. Ellen released her tether and stumbled over to the other small window. The vacuum of space was dark. She couldn't see any lights or beacons from this side at all. On the way back, she stopped at her control console. All systems were operating correctly. She wished that she could have the last swig from that stainless steel flask, but pushed herself off toward the lockers. She felt slightly sick and was exhausted. Those astronauts being towed was really the last thing she had ever wanted to see. Gabriel, keep an eye on things while I catch a few winks. Thanks. She threw the netting over her spacesuit. 
clicked off the magnetic system from her boots and secured the belt. As soon as she felt her feet float slightly off the floor, she was asleep. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from The Cosmos. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.